It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there, but how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions? Well, you've come to the right spot. Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with the insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. Are you looking to grow your real estate investing business? Fortune Cribs can help. Fortune Cribs helps investors buy short-term rentals in select markets around the country for as little as 10% down with cash-on-cash returns in the 20 to 30% range. Fortune Cribs will design, furnish, and manage all the day-to-day operations, making your experience truly hands-off. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your real estate investing journey, whether you're trying to get your first deal or scale your portfolio, Fortune Cribs can help. So if you want to take the next step, go to fortunecribs.com and book your free consultation to see how Fortune Cribs can best help you. Once again, that's fortunecribs.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, accompanied by our guest for the week, Elisa Zhang. And today we are the two smart assets. For those not yet familiar with Elisa, she is the owner and principal at Easy Real Estate, where she oversees a portfolio of $450 million in holdings across more than 2,500 apartment units. After successfully building a path to financial independence for herself in less than 10 years and transitioning out of her full-time IT career in 2019, she made it her mission to help motivated nine-to-fivers do the same by providing in-depth advice and resources through her educational site, EZFI University. And I got to say, I've spent some time on that website this week, Elisa. Absolutely fantastic. All the listeners, if you listen right now, go check this out right after, after you listen to this episode. She's got a lot of great stuff on her website. Lisa, it's great to see you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me, Denny. Absolutely. You know, I've been excited about this conversation. I've been following you for a while, social media, see your stuff all over YouTube. I mean, like I said before the show, it's like I see you everywhere. So absolutely uh, thrilled to have you on the show. Um, You know, before we dive into the meat and potatoes, we'd like to kick the show off by hearing more about uh, you, the guest. So tell us more about your background, your story. I know you got an interesting one and the path you took to get to where you are today in your real estate investing career. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Danny. Um, So I started, you know, I was an immigrant. Um, I I grew up in China uh, and I moved to Canada when was, when I was 17. Um, At the time, you know, it was very interesting living, growing up in middle class in China. um, We shared four people in a studio. That's normal. Um, And, uh, you know, the, my role model has always been my dad who lives in Madison Hat, Alberta, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, uh, you know, and, but he owns a three bedroom house. Right. Um, so that's always kind of like the dream. He's an engineer and this and that. So that was a path growing up an Asian family. They always talked about, you know, you study, study, study. That's pretty much the only thing that you need to do. And then you need to get an engineering job, a doctor job, a lawyer job. Um, so engineer is what we chose because lawyer and doctor takes too long. Um, and I also grew up in the tech boom. Um, so computer engineer is my uh, background. So, um, you know, shortly after that, I landed a job after the college is straight in Seattle um, and the working for a Fortune 500 company, a very large company. Um, I think everybody knows where that is. Um, and <laughs> so basically I worked for that job for about, you know, 10, over 10 years. Um, you know, when I first started working on my job, it was really exciting. I was a product manager, um, or pro 
program manager, product, whatever. It's a technical role. Um, I graduated from computer engineering and then uh, started that work. Um, so I knew I didn't want to be a developer because it was a very rinse and repeat job. Uh, I had enough internship to tell me that I want to define the products. Um, so that's where I ended up in the role. So it was really exciting. I, I'm sure a lot of listeners can probably resonate to that. It's very exciting for a couple of years, a lot of challenge of working, wearing different hats is very, you know, rewarding. Um, and then at some point you reach your middle career. And then uh, for a lot of our entrepreneur at heart out there, um, you'll feel like that's like you're kind of somewhat misfit because there's so much more creativity. There's so much stuff, a possibility you can do, but then you're kind of uh, being pigeonholed into this path for career goals. And then, so for me, being a senior product manager, moving up to the chain, uh, it's, you, you're doing less and less customer definition. You know, my job was to find customer requirements and figure out like what products to create. That was the exciting part for me, but you're doing less of that. 80% of my time now start playing internal politics, um, oh, getting boy. your VP buying into your projects and you're spending countless hour polishing presentation. Um, and then your audience is only like a one person or a couple board members and whatnot. Um, so it was not satisfying for me because I feel like I was making impact. Um, and um, so to move up more. So I at one point I looked at my, you know, my um, my leads job, like so my boss's job and my boss's job. And I'm like, there's nowhere along the chain that I want to be. So, you know, even though there's a huge prospect, a career path laid out in your face, your corporation America is like training you to climb in the corporate ladder because they really need to specialize the soldier. So not until you become your own boss later on, I become one, I start seeing this from the other angle, right? So you're like, yeah, we need to specialize the people, the bigger the organizations are, the more specialized that you're going to be. Uh, but it was not satisfying to me. I think for some people it is. And then if that's something that you do really excellent and you love to do, there's no need to quit your job to become an entrepreneur. I want to kind of put that out there. Um, but for some of you, you just feel like you're a misfit and you're banging your head on the wall. Why am I not getting promoted and someone else is getting promoted? And there may be a reason because your personality is not suitable for the job that you're at. So that's kind of where I was. There's some personal stuff as well. At the same time, 2015, my daughter was born. Um, and then it really changes your perspective. There's these catalytic events that happens in your life where it puts you into a perspective of what it really means in your life and why do you live your life. Um, there's these wake-up calls, right? Sometimes it's death, sometimes it's birth, sometimes it's marriage, you know, something happened in your life and that's, that's a rude awakening for you. Um, so for me, it was like commuting three hours to my work and then spending only less than two hours seeing my kid. Like that was like really, you know, made me thought twice about this. So in 2015, at the same time in 2009, from the last recession, we bought some stuff, single family. We don't really know what to do with them. It's just, oh, it's a good time to buy, right? So you kind of stumbled upon this as accidental investors because it's like, hey, it's a good market to buy. We don't know sure. what cash flow is, but it's probably a good time to buy. Um, so, you know, in 2015, that becomes more deliberate. And I actually literally typed in uh, Google search how to quit my job through real estate investing. 
you know, and then stumble upon, of course, bigger pockets, which is for folks who didn't know is the Facebook of real estate investors. Uh, not all advice, free advice is a good advice on there, but some <laughs> of these are pretty good to start with. Um, so I actually met a few people who were instrumental in my later life. We didn't connect it then, you know, um, and then consumed all the blog there is. Um, and then realized we were investing wrong and we should be investing cash flow. So the pendulum kind of really swing the other way. I was like, we're doing all this wrong. Uh, you know, we should be buying fourplexes, value add fourplexes. So, so that's what we did. Um, we meaning me and my husband. Um, so we so that I went out, uh, took out, a, basically put a HELOC on my house and then took out a portion of the HELOC and put a down payment on a fourplex. That's our first venture into multifamily. I managed myself over that, did all the lease ups and et cetera, dealing with tenants, um, all that stuff. And then my husband actually renovated the units, um, wow. which is down to the studs, you know, so there's a lot of, arguments uh, in the relationship. <laughs> I do not recommend that. Um, but on the other hand, uh, you know, we learned a lot during that whole experience. Um, and uh, it, it kind of lays the foundations for future as well. So we rinse and repeat, bought a couple more fourplex. Uh, they were all C-class, B-class, um, you know. So th this stuff that they talk about on the bigger pockets works. Um, uh, and then also market picking markets really important. So we rinse and repeat did that multiple times, still holding a W-2 job. It increased our cash flow, but it's nowhere near to help you create your job. Job. Um, so you kind of hit a roadblock. So I hear about podcasts talking about commercial real estate, right? So it's just for, you know, just for personal developments and growth that I decided it's a good idea to buy some commercial multifamily, which is um, units that's more than four units. Uh, so the difference is over there is anything below four units, you're getting residential loan. Anything above four units, you're getting into the commercial loan zone. So our first venture was a 12 unit in Tacoma. This allows me to achieve couple goals, remove my husband from the business um, and take on a partner and also move the asset a little bit further into Tacoma versus Seattle. So it allows myself to remove myself from the day-to-day -day operation as well. So we had a PM managing that. We had managed the PMs, you know, so that's a whole different learning as well. Sure. Um, so we wanted to buy some more stuff, uh, but in 2017, we felt market may be saturated. We all know that's not the truth. <laughs> um, so, you know, I actually went to, for a whole year, went to all the local meetups, met a lot of people. I went to like three meetups a week. Um, but um, didn't really find much deal. At least it didn't fit my underwriting. But there's a lot of stuff about underwriting. The more you know, the more creative and the more value you can find. But at that time, I didn't. So, you know, there's a lot of deal hindsight looking at it. Couldn't make sense, but we didn't. Um, so then I thought about, okay, we probably need to find deal out of state. Because if the economy is not working over here, it's madness to like continue banging your head on it. Sure. So you probably need to change your strategy a little bit. So start looking outside the state. Uh, and then we were told, which I don't think it's exactly true. We were told that you got to buy more than 100 units in order to make it scalable, right? Because mm -hmm. they call it no man's land between eight units to like 50 units. Yeah. Um, so then if you have more than 100 units, we don't have enough capital. So that's how we got into syndication. And so we quickly subscribed ourselves into mentorship, uh, sorry, mentorship 
um, as well as going to a lot of national conferences, just kind of absorb everything we can. Um, and also showed up, right? Like really kind of travel to Dallas every single month. Um, all that stuff is involved while still having a full-time job. Um, so through there, you know, we met partners. We started with first through a managing capital side of things. Uh, so become co-sponsors on deals in Dallas. Um, and then later on got into our Phoenix market and, um, you know, a couple other couple other items that we worked on. Um, so by then, uh, you know, we owned and we syndicated. Uh, we now asset manager our assets and then co-sponsored uh, in our apartments. We currently have probably on trajectory uh, to about 3,000 units now. Um, and um, mostly in Phoenix, about 2000 in Phoenix, um, and uh, some in Texas market. Um, and then we also co-sponsor another thousand units on, so on there. So, so that's kind of my journey to this. And of course, in 2019, my second child was born and I was able to quit my job in November uh, after a whole long six months of maternity leave um, and uh, qualify as real estate professional. So saved a whole bunch of tax um, and then not doing this a full time. So it's a very different perspective. Now I create jobs, uh, you know, because our firm has 15 people that works for us now. Um, and then we have another 80 people team on the property management site. We don't own our property management company. Um, so it's like now we create jobs uh, for that um, and also creating a better, safer environment for our tenants to kind of live in as well. There's so much there. And I love that story because, you know, you really started from, you know, kind of just buying properties because you thought it was a good time to buy it. Right. And now you're a full-blown syndicators doing stuff on a completely different level. Right. I mean, there's a lot, that's a huge step and obviously it didn't happen overnight, but uh, that's a, that's a lot of progression there. So I absolutely love to hear that. Um, you know, I got a lot of people that I talk to uh, in terms of investors, maybe they're just, uh, you know, getting into real estate investing, uh, whether in the active side or the passive side, but, um, a lot of them are W-2 employees and they're looking to maybe either build a business, something similar to what you did. Um, and there's some, there's some fear there, obviously, right? Cause there's a lot going on, um, as a W-2 employee and you got a lot of stuff, juggling a lot of, juggling a lot of stuff. But, uh, you know, the one thing I always go back to is, you know, you're not always starting just fresh. You do have skills that you can use. So I'm kind of curious, you know, before you left your W-2 job, did you notice any of the, any of the skills you acquired while being an employee transferred into your, your entrepreneurial ventures? Yeah, absolutely. I love that kind of you mentioned that because a lot of people talk about this path as burning the bridge, right? You're like, I'm completely quit. This is, you know, not. So I think every step along the way, there are skill sets that we have learned. And then being an employee, in fact, um, you know, for example, in uh, being a product manager, you know, we have scrum process in the IT world. So it allows me to kind of bridge that process now we use scrum to run our sprints um in real estate market like it I, I know like a lot of people i talk to that is not the case if you're not coming from the it background you have no idea what scrum is or <laughs> agile developments are um, but i found that that method of operation is really efficient and something that can be in a business that a lot of is rinse and repeat and date driven as well it's very new to majority of our, um, you know, majority of our employees, but it worked well. And then people kind of really take up on that, which allows you to run a very agile, small, you know, small team. 
Um, so things like that, like the stuff that you learn. And because I worked for a Fortune 500 company, so you kind of got the luxury of having all the framework set up. You know, there's the HR department, there's like this procedure, that procedure, and et cetera. So it allows me to kind of bring some of that over to my company as well. Like, for example, we have performance reviews, right? We've been into performance review for all large company. You know, there's all these things that is a very uh, defined so then we're able to kind of provide and practically think about that for our employees, which is like, hey, we should do performance review. And this is a model that we are used to. And then we should provide a little bit more structure for that. So a little bit better and more sane than other average startup company uh, working for us. Um, and system and processes and other things, you know, bring that into the workflow. And then also a lot of the framework of thinking. Um, when people talk about, you know, system and process that they tend to always think about, oh, this is how you do stuff. This is the procedure on doing stuff. But I think I go one level higher and then try to teach people a mind frame, like a framework of thinking, which I took for granted because my product management background, the, the natural way to solve a problem is always look at the largest picture and then break it down into small chunks. But um, you know, I was really surprised that my asset manager, et cetera, coming from different types of uh, environment, they just go into the detail right away. They're very sure. reactive. And then it's like, what, it took me a while to realize like, aha, it's like, I actually have to tell them how to think, you know, teaching this method of thinking, um, which is a lot of stuff that I have learned from being a product manager um, and to, to problem solve the issue and break it down into smaller pieces that's attainable, right? Yeah, absolutely. And those things are huge, right? Because I was just gonna even ask, you know, your industry, your, your background in the tech industry and also being, you know, uh, you know, in a Fortune 500 company, you know, you've you got a lot of skills there, right? And maybe you've used some systems and technologies to apply in your own business, which you obviously have, which you just mentioned. So I think that's absolutely huge for, for people who are listening right now. Be like, listen, you are able to leverage some of the skills and knowledge you have now to take that into whatever entrepreneurial venture you're doing. So don't overlook that, right? It's definitely something very important. Um, right. one thing one thing I do want to talk about. So you, you built a successful business, lucrative business, all while working a W-2 job, right? There's there's a lot of things you went from single family to small multis to larger multifamilies and then to syndication. And you're able to leave your leave your job, right? And you did this all by raising a family as well, right? I mean, that's that's a lot. And so, you know, personally, I know a number of uh, people that are looking to, to build something similar, right? Maybe they're Maybe they're not trying to leave the W-2 job. Maybe they're just trying to complement their income, you know, but they want to actually build a business uh, on top of that. So, but as you know, to do that takes a ton of work and dedication and focus, right? Uh, yeah. So I'm curious, as you look back on when you were building this business, you know, maybe in the early stages, middle stages, maybe even recently, uh, were there any big moments or big decisions that you made that really like made, that you think made a difference in your success? Any like turning points like, hey, you know, this really changed the game for us. Yeah, um, I would say obviously that, you know, like what I shared before the mindset changes. Sure. And then I think in the darkest moment that comes to light, it really resets you. Um, I think there was a really low point uh, in my life when I worked for my Fortune 500 company uh, due to some mismanagement of my boss, uh, of their boss. Uh, you know, there's certain performance required, like performance review didn't go as expected. Um, also combined with some personal issues like, you know, miscarriages and all the other stuff, it really pushed you to epiphany. And then at that moment, I realized that you have one life and then you have like work is not everything. 
So you have to kind of start designing your life around your life, not like work, you know, or you design your work for your life. It's not the other way around. Um, so that was a big epiphany moment for me. That's even after, you know, I started doing this multifamily thing and there's a, a point where it comes to inflection. So that's when I took upon myself to restructure my work um, so that I moved from one job to the other jobs. And now my commute is only like 20 minutes back and forth. So great, you know, allows me to have more flexible time. Sure. And then a choice that you make in life um, that is going to aid you to continue to grow your business versus, you know, working for a job because there's time commitments. Um, you know, there's a saying that always like you want to have your cake and eat it too. And it's tough to do that. So maybe you're sleeping only two hours a day. I don't know if you can do that. Um, but, but I think that there's a trade-off. And then you have to make a priority shift in order. And then different times in your life, there's a different priorities. And then if you make that priority shift, you know, um, your goals start align more. Oftentimes, sometimes you're like, I'm not hitting that goal. And it's, it's, it's really, uh, you know, it's not very sustainable if you're working two jobs at a time, you can only last so long. Um, you know, we, I did the way that I did it because it's forced to, you know, because we made a deliberate choice to say my husband will stay at home full time. So I'm this only single income. And, and, but that allows us to kind of split up our work in terms of watching our children, really spend time with them um, and, and allow me to do the second job, which is the investing part. Um, so, so there's a lot of deliberate choice that you made. So that's a big inflection point for me. And in the moment that I would say we're feel comfortable enough to go out of state, but everything does feel like more naturally, you just get yeah. to the next stage. It wasn't like happening over time. Um, it just, you know, the, the best analogy I have is like making 180 degree changes are really hard, but if you are just turning like five degree every time, like you get there, right? So for me, it's about that, like multiple circles. So you learn something now challenge yourself of what else are you going to add down to it, but don't try to like burn your ship. So then, you know, the, 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 the bar of entry is too high for you. So then the, the the failure rate is also higher. If you build upon what you have slowly, you're going to get there. And then it's about the momentum, like a small momentum versus like the big, large, you know, 180 degree shifts. I totally, I totally agree. There's something that I kind of implemented a while back, but it's like, it's the first thing I do in the morning is like, you want to have, and this is, this is a little bit different, but you know, first thing I want to do have in the morning is have a win. I want to win something, you know, whether it's me going to exercise or me doing something, you know, this reading, whatever, I want to have that win first thing. So you can stack those wins. And it's kind of what you're similar, you know, kind of what you're talking about, you know, you don't really have this, you do have big goals, but then you have smaller goals and you keep hitting them and you get momentum. Right. And it's that five yeah. degree shift that you're and, talking and about. And I love what you just said over there, the wing. And I think that's really important, you know, like that's really important. Um, then Solomon talks about this, um, like the, in the, uh, again, a gap again book yeah. that he wrote. Um, and then I think writing on your wing is so important because as entrepreneur, highly motivated people, you tend to live in the gap. And, and then it's going to just feel exhausted. And your mind is really your biggest tool 
I'm your biggest asset in this world. Um, and you have to condition it in some ways. Um, it sounds like a phony to say like, oh, we always start with a wing. We always start our meeting with a wing, but it's so important to pat yourself in the back and celebrate these wings because upon that, then you can kind of start building and, and then having your mind to be resilient. Um, and I think at a W2 job, you're going to be running into a danger. If you want to do this, it's not easy, um, but you have to focus on the way where you have achieved because it's very easy to get into a depression mode, just like going on the diet. You're like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, right? And then you you keep on looking at, you know, your skill. You're like, I only lost five pounds, uh, you know? So like that's so far. And then the next thing you know, you're eating chips and cookies and not the other <laughs> giving up. I mean, it's important to, to like, you know, I, I love that you said the wing part. Yeah. Well, and you're absolutely right. And it kind of, it, it kind of uh, piggybacks onto something that I kind of want to bring up because you mentioned something so important, but you know, there's a common situation that I run across. So I see with investors, actually it's happened to me plenty of times and that's, you know, the situation is, uh, you know, the goalposts are always moving and, you know, it might be conscious, it might be subconscious, right. But, you know, you might get somewhere and the goal shift. And, and if I'm being honest, uh, I think this is, you know, if you're looking to grow, that's mandatory. You got to make new goals, right? It's just something you have to do if you're looking for growth, you know, where wherever you're at in your life and your business. But if you're looking for growth, you got to set new goals, right? Because you're going to hit whatever you've already set. But if you set an initial goal and then you just keep moving the goalposts and maybe you're not hitting those goalposts, kind of like you said, you got to celebrate those wins. But it can be easy to dismiss to basically like dismiss or even um, completely forget why you set the goal in the first place, right? You kind of right. you kind of take your eye off the ball. You're like, well, I kind of forgot why I got this in the first place. So, so relating to your story, so as you began to scale your real estate business, did you mm-hmm. um, basically already have like a goal in mind? You know, you already determined that you were going to leave, you know, try to leave your job through real estate. But did you have a goal in mind, like say, hey, when I reach this, I'm going to exit my job? Uh, my W2 job, or were you just scaling as much as possible? And then one day you're like, Hey, I don't need to be an employee anymore. Yeah. So yes, definitely. Cause I already shared a little bit about my mindset and method of doing things. It's always like this product manager in me. Right. So it's always thinking about, okay, where does that go? And then you work backwards. Sure. That's when we are thinking about the way uh, things that so we do, I do set the annual goals and, you know, obviously a really rough one. It's actually a really lazy one that to take. If you're really seriously thinking about leaving your job, um, a really lazy way to do it would say, Oh, I'm going to replace my income. Um, I would encourage people who is thinking about that past to really think about what do you need to quit your job? I think what you need is what you're making right now is not exactly the same. So you could Mm. be delaying your departure and there's opportunity loss in there too. Um, And and because you're like simply put this arbitrary arbitrary number to say replacing my income. A lot of investors I talk to, they always talk about, well, I just want to replace my income. What well, that may be a much further goal post that that's unnecessary. And you have to really think proactively this lifestyle that you want to live. What do you want to do when you retire? And what is the number to support that? It can be bigger than that goal post. It can be much smaller than that goal post, right? So um, why deprive yourself uh, years of possibly living your dream life uh, versus just having this lazy goal? So Anyway, so that that's kind of what I would say, like the, the way that I arrived there. Um, for me, the inflation point comes in when I was pregnant with my second child. 
you know, it was a very deliberate planning exercise with my CPA, funny enough. Your CPA <laughs> is probably close to ally. And then if, yeah. if the joke was like, your spouse may not know all your secrets, but your CPA do. <laughs> right? um, so anyway, um, so for me, it was a deliberate exercise with my CPA. Um, so that we have time the years um, that we quit my job and then along with having my baby and maternity was all part of that plan. Um, it qualifies me as a real estate professional. So there's a lot of benefits, tax benefits of being that. And it was around the time, you know, did I replace all my income? Maybe not at the time, but it felt comfortable. And I think the biggest thing is when you get there, you would know. You may set up a goal. So set up a like a conservative goal if you're like more like me um, and then hitting it. But once you kind of pass a certain threshold, I would say what really propelled to quit your job is not the money. It's actually the confidence of your mind to think that if I quit my job, it's no big deal because I believe in myself so much that I can create the wealth that I needed to create. And I think that when you get there, that you just know that this is the moment to quit your job. Yeah. that That's massive, Lisa. And I got to be honest with you, I haven't heard anybody put it that way. So that's the first time I've actually heard it kind of said in that direction. And I absolutely love that because it's so true, right? As soon as you're confident enough to be like, hey, I can go earn what I need out on my own. I don't need to be an employee anymore that's a huge point in your life that you that you might not have had before, right? Because you were an employee for a reason. And so now that you've gone out and you've created something and you have that confidence to know you can do it again and again and again, it's massive. Right. Absolutely. Uh, probably one of the most important things you can have. Lisa, I got to be honest with you. Uh, I could probably go on all day talking about this because I think it's so it's so important. I know a lot of our listeners are really kind of diving into this as well because they're in the same in a situation where maybe they're beginning this process. But uh, I got to be respectful of your time. So before we get out of here, tell us more about your real estate company. Your I know you got an educational website I mentioned earlier, which is absolutely phenomenal, and a podcast. So tell and anything else that you have going on, tell us about all that stuff. Yeah, awesome. So we have created an easyfiuniversity.com, and we have some courses that's coming out as well, specifically to teach our passive investors how to become a more well-rounded investor and having all your vehicles set up in places so that you can invest with the best bucket of all your money, right? Not only be more knowledgeable about multifamily investing, but also like having the right basic vehicle set up properly. Um, so including optimizing your retirement funds, you know, and creating this extra vehicle for you to, um, you know, leverage an arbitrage uh, so that you can get more return, a little bit extra juice out of your return there. Um, so um, easyfiuniversity.com is where you can check out some of our free blogs right now, but we have a course that's going to be coming out in about three months or so, but we're going to have some pre-sign up coming up soon. Um, and um, in addition, we are um, Ronnie, really look at some of the macroeconomic stuff, you know, being an investor, being a syndicator, I think, yes, we're very focused on our multi-family sector, but you can't be flying blind. I think a market cycle is really important investing and then no difference on multifamily investing. So um, we definitely pay a little bit more attention to our macroeconomics, especially the current environment where we're at. Um, and, and you just got to be a little bit more careful with everything. So we have put a lot of these materials in our YouTube channel. So we want to try to push our YouTube channel. You can find us on Elisa e Zen and in the bracket, Easy Reste, uh, Easy uh, FI University. You can kind of see that material on our YouTube. We definitely you know, appreciate it if you can like, hit a subscribe or a like just to help us build that initial momentum for our YouTube videos as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. We're going to make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes so our listeners can reach out, check that stuff out. Highly encourage all of our listeners to go check out Elise's website, the EZFI University. Absolutely phenomenal website. A lot of, lot of good stuff on there. And then and then your YouTube channel. I don't know how, how many videos I've watched over the past couple of weeks, but it's a lot. So, and it's a lot of, it's a lot of great stuff. So highly encourage all of our listeners to go check that out right after you listen to this episode. So Elisa, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you again for uh, taking the time to speak to me today. Thank you so much, Danny. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.